in a constantly changing world. Today is as simple as it gets. You're listening to The Leadership Enigma, a podcast to explore, experiment, and power up your leadership to make the difference to your business, your people, and your success. Whether you're an entrepreneur, business owner, or corporate executive, each week we dig deep into global experts, academics, rising stars, ambitious upstarts, and disruptors. Now, here's your host, Adam Pacifico. So hi and welcome to another episode of The Leadership Enigma and I'm delighted that I have Paul Evans who is the current CEO of Leadership Through Sport and Business. Now this is a charity very, very dear to my heart so I'm really excited that Paul has uh, had the time to spend, to talk to me now. So Paul, welcome to The Leadership Enigma. Hi Adam, thank you very much and thank you for inviting me onto this. You're a great supporter and friend of ours so it's brilliant to uh, get to talk to you some more. Well, LTSB is, is very close to my heart, and we're going to learn a little bit more about that um, because it, it really has and works with some of the most amazing adults I think I've ever had the privilege of, of coming across. But we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Paul, you, you're the newly appointed CEO of LTSB. So tell us a little bit about you, your background, how you came to this position. Sure, great question. Well, I'm, I retrained as a youth worker back in 2006 after volunteering with the youth service that operated on the, an estate where I grew up, um, quite a deprived estate. And as yep. I grew up, I started volunteering back on that estate with the young people. And I realized that whilst I was working in the corporate sector then, I thought I want to do something more. And I wanted to look where I could use my business skills and match them with social impact. And I went to volunteer for a charity, I ended up working at that charity, then running it, then merging it into a larger charity and deciding along the way that that's exactly where I wanted to be. So along the way, I worked in mental health and homelessness and education and youth services, right through to where I am now. So along the, the, the golden thread really has been about social mobility, social inclusion, and offering young people the chance to turn their lives around in meaningful ways. Thank you. I mean, it sounds very much like the die was cast for you early on with the, the roles that you had and, and the work that you did within the, the, you know, the social sector. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. I mean, f- for me, I, I was born in a state which was voted by the government two, three years ago as the worst place to grow up if you're poor. Thank you, government. And, yeah, but exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that. Yeah, you know, and at the time I wrote a response to this report actually that's saying, well, you know, if you if you write off a community like that, if you call people low aspiration, if you talk about lack of investment, then you, 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 what good is that going to be? I've never seen anybody respond well to be called poor and poverty stricken. No. But, you know, actually, in many ways they were right. And that's the funny thing about these things. They were right that it was a, it was a, a tough place to grow up. But what it did for me, I was blessed to have a, um, a, an amazing mum in a single parent family that talked about reading, that, that encouraged us to do whatever we wanted to do. And it was, it was that that was set in me, really, that to, to give and to be kind and to be compassionate. And once I found that there's an industry around this, that there's a way that I could work within um, you know, an area of work which was about compassion, which is about changing people's lives, then I thought, this is great. You know? And I thought, I can combine my business experience with that desire, and here I am. I love that because I work with so many multinationals who make lots of money. There's nothing wrong with that at all, but they also do good and they want to be known as a force for good. And how do they actually operate and help the communities within which they work? So it's nice that that's such a a major focus for you, that that compassionate element. We're going to come back to the real theme of this episode, which is nonprofit leadership. 
and leadership within the social sector. But let's give it a little bit more context. As the CEO of Leadership Through Sport and Business, which I adore as a charity, tell us a little bit, anyone who's listening, what does LTSB do? Okay, so we recruit, prepare and support young people from disadvantaged backgrounds into meaningful careers with major firms. So in essence, that's connecting young people to companies and to people that they would never get a chance to connect with before. Yeah. If you come from a disadvantaged area and you know, a background which is around poverty and disadvantage and a range of barriers, and your dad doesn't know a lawyer and your mum doesn't know another doctor, you won't even know about the opportunities that exist, let alone will you be connected into those opportunities. So for example, in more affluent families, often you get work placements set up by your dad in the firm or, or whatever that be, but the types of people, young people that we work with don't have those opportunities. So we're that connector, we're that ambassador for the young person, but also we, we train and support them through our pre-apprenticeship boot camps, our programs designed to combine the amazing power of sport and employability and qualifications with corporate experience days to get that young person ready for day one in the office. And we're talking about careers, not jobs here. We want to help a young person turn their life around through getting paid fairly with a job that matches their aspirations or ambitions, because why shouldn't it? It's not just about pushing young people into any opportunity. It's got to be the right opportunity for them. Now, there's always been a huge link with sport. I think you've just mentioned it as well. Can you tell us a little more about that? Because I think that's, a, that, that's quite an interesting piece of information there for people to understand the power of sport in relation to social mobility and transferable skills? Sure. Well, I, I've never seen anything as powerful as sport to connect with young people and to engage young people. We, we call it a universal language. You know, you go away on holiday, even as an adult, and someone says, where are you from? And, you know, in a, in a foreign country, and I, I'll say, um, you know, Nottingham, ah, Notts Forest, you know, and, it, and it's based around the football club. It's that amazing power of bringing people together. Now, for young people, sport is a brilliant hook you're engaging them through something that's not just traditional school, not college courses. It's fun. It builds team uh, spirit, leadership skills. It gets you mentally and physically fit. And from that, from that engagement, we can do really great things with young people. But sport is just a brilliant thing for everyone to be involved with. And the outcomes from sport are, are well documented. Yes. The health improvements, the physical, mental improvements. But loneliness is a big thing within young people. You know, I was just reading actually earlier this morning that 18 to 24 year olds within that age group 30 percent of them feel lonely most of the time wow so sport and teamwork you know team sports are a brilliant way to feel less lonely to get out there and mix with people and we use that as a powerful hook to engage your people and you've already got very strong links with a number of the big football clubs as well haven't you yeah we're so lucky we work with aston villa and tottenham and liverpool and man city you know a, a range of partners here at everton you know that, that support the work we do and we're linking very closely with the football clubs. So I'm actually going to make a plea to anyone who's listening. Please, please look up uh, LTSB, Leadership Through Sport and Business, because there are many ways that people get involved. That's right, isn't it? Absolutely. You can mentor with us. You can fund us. You can take on a young person. You know, you can take on uh, one young person on an apprenticeship or 500 young people, which if you are wondering if there's a way that you can help us, the answer is yes. There are many ways in which you can. Love that. And through my own personal experiences with LTSB, the young adults that you're working with are extraordinary. But one of the things that I think has resonated with me is they're not sure or they don't know how extraordinary they are just yet. 
they're young, some of them are working their way through adversity, which makes them unbelievably resilient, but they haven't quite worked out just how capable they are. I think that's a really good way of putting it. You know, how do you even imagine a future that you might not have the vocabulary for, that you might not have the words for, that you've never even heard about? Some of the roles that exist out there, some young people have never heard about. And then if you're also lacking belief, if you're lacking confidence because of your circumstances, then how are you ever going to lift yourself up to engage? So you're quite right. I think there's some geniuses out there, the next CEOs of big companies, the next change makers, the inventors, all of these people are there and within the groups of young people that we work with. But they, they might never get to know that you know, unless they, someone helps them, given that belief and an opportunity. And LTSB, in many ways, is the catalyst which will start them on that journey and then they, they take it from there themselves. Absolutely. You know, we provide them with the, the platform um, to connect them with, with businesses and opportunities. But you know what? A lot, the hard work comes from them. You know, so many of people come to us with that, what I call fire in the belly. You know, they, they know what they want. They're excited to, to, to achieve. They want to look after their families. They want to earn money. They want to do well. They want to give back. And it's just having that opportunity. But part of getting the opportunity is knowing what's out there in the first place. Of course. Truly believing that you're someone that could be that CEO, that could be the, that accountant, that could be that team leader in that corporate that you've, you've seen or read about. And, you know, one of the things we do is connect young people to the businesses by taking young people into those environments. And some of these environments are really intimidating even for us as adults. We turn up to the big lobbies of, of Barclays or NatWest and they're quite intimidating places. Well, Part of what we do is get the young person used to those environments and realize that they're just buildings, you know, and they're full of people like you and, and, and they're all just people. But yeah. you need that exposure and young people need exposure and that confidence and to say, I could work here. Why can't I be on Canary Wharf or wherever they want to be? So I make no apologies for what is a blatant request for every listener of this podcast to get involved with LTSB. But let's also know that when we look at leaders working in organizations across sectors and geographies, these are the young adults who will be coming into employment and will be the talent of the future for them. So this is very relevant to anyone in a leadership position listening to this episode. And I know that, you know, you as the newly appointed CEO, it's not your first CEO role, but within the social sector and a not-for-profit organization, because LTSB is a registered charity. Why do you care? Well, that, that, that is a good question. Why do I care? I, I care on two fronts, really. Um, one of the reasons is because of where I started. I talked about where I grew up. I talked about how other people talked about where I grew up and the family I grew up in. Many ways I was referred to as a broken family, but I think there was nothing broken about my home. It was full of love and, uh, and, and a great mum and, and opportunities that she, that she gave us. Right. But you can't come from that type of background without caring about do other people make it out of those backgrounds. And then I think if you connect with the, the right person or people that can help you think differently and give you opportunities, and this will happen to me, I met some great people that took a chance on me and gave me an opportunity you feel that there's a moral imperative, there's a social justice thing that you should give back. And I think it's those two things for me, where I started and just the inner feeling that I should do that for other people. Now, at first, I did that in a frontline way. I became a youth worker, right. I trained in education and youth work and therapy, and I worked with people on the front line. But I started to realise that I could create more impact. I could do a, a greater good, if you like, 
by growing organizations, growing their impact, and using um, business skills, if you like, to scale um, operations that could create more social impact in communities. So there are different ways you can create impact, and this was just my way. This is so relevant to any business in relation to human connection, social impact, inclusivity, and the, and the wonders that diversity and inclusivity can bring to a workforce. So, I mean, you're living through all of that, aren't you, in your role? Yeah, it's, it's amazing. We have a, a really diverse um, staff team. You know, there's a saying, isn't there? Great minds think alike. It's actually a lie. Great minds don't think alike. You need many different minds, many different perspectives, many different people make up the rich tapestry of life, if you like. And I, I really, really benefit, and I've benefited all through my career of living in, listening to different voices um, from wherever those voices come, from wherever that group comes from. But there is a responsibility in a leadership role to ensure that you continue to have those voices around the table. You continue to learn and listen and ensure you have the right kind of makeup and, and the makeup that reflects the communities that you're within. So not only do we get that right in our own organisation, but we're helping businesses think about that diversity and inclusion and equity piece as well. And I love that as well, Paul, because we're working with current clients as in relation to their ability to be courageous and embrace a very diverse workforce and be courageous in seeking out those people who look different, sound different, think differently and will challenge maybe the status quo. And I love what you said. Great minds think alike. That's not good. Great minds need to think differently. I think that's a wonderful uh, expression, really, of the power of uh, inclusivity and diversity. Absolutely. You know, we're seeing great examples here of businesses that work with us. And, you know, I'm going to have to give a shout out to NatWest RBS here because we we are um, launching a brilliant program that sees us working with 300 young people over three years to have apprenticeship opportunities within NatWest and RBS. And this started, I mean, with our brilliant uh, previous CEO, Caroline, for one thing, but meeting um, a guy called Andy Ellis that worked within NatWest who as a white middle-aged man looked around him and said, how come everybody looks like me hmm. on my floor? And he felt that with his power came responsibility, you know, to quote the superhero phrase. I thought we've got to do something about that. But he also knew he needed to partner with organizations whose very reason for being is to help people that are socially excluded to become included. Yeah. So meaningful partnerships is the way forward here. They wanted to do something we can help them do it. We can reach the types of young people that they couldn't, and that's what we're doing, and what a great partnership this is going to be. So let me ask you another question, because it's very relevant to a media interview I did recently, and that was you come in as the CEO to a business that was founded by David Pynchon and Caroline Adair, who I think you've mentioned already, who I've met, and they're both wonderful. But it's like any founder business, it's their baby. It's, an, it's the essence of them. How do you take over as CEO on something that is so powerfully aligned to the founders? Well, I, I, I tell you what, um, you, you do it by having great conversations up front, by working out right at the beginning, how are you going to interact? Where do, where do our roles cross? What is the clarity here? Yep. How, do we, how do we talk about the things that might present themselves as challenges? You don't know at the beginning what's going to come up, you know, and where you are. You know, where the founder might think that would be 
more my role traditionally or or you think you know i've came from a large organizations i wouldn't even have to engage with the board in this way and you, you know you have all these competing things but you know what it comes down to people really and if you can operate at low ego and this is my advice around these things yeah. if you can go in with low ego with a sense of I want to support you to make this even better. You know, I'm thinking about David and Caroline here. They've created something brilliant. Yeah. You have to have a strong personality, a personal a belief and passion in this. Um, and that's what they've done. I mean, and if you meet those two, you will understand why we're successful in getting many young people into work. But there is a different dynamic. It's like your family member growing up, like a child growing up. Yeah. It gets to the point where you kind of got to need to know when to let go. And when someone else is going to kind of come in, you know, and move things forward. And we're having those conversations now. I joined this organization during lockdown. We've hardly even met up, but we talk a lot. We talk honestly and transparently. And the things that arise, we put down on the table and we put to bed, you know, and it's an ongoing relationship. All relationships are about trust, by the way. You know, it's just occurring to me. What we're doing here is thinking about trust. Yes. And people talk about trust wrongly a lot of the time and so you need to build trust and like it's just putting lego blocks together building trust is actually doing it it's actually continuous behaviors and values and over time there's no shortcut for this so i'm early days here but we're having great conversations operating at low ego and building trust absolutely knowing that you know i'm respected for my track record by david the chair and caroline and i respect what they've done to get this organization to here you combine those experiences, those passions, that people power, who knows what you can achieve. And that's what it's all about. So not only are you new in role as a CEO taking over a founder-led business, but you've had to build the trust with that group of people, with the two that you've mentioned, in lockdown, without any <laughs> physical proximity. It's, it's crazy, isn't it? You know, I, I often talk about, um, and I don't know how this sounds, but one of my superpowers, if you like, has been taken away, and that's the power of being with people. They were interaction, interacting, yeah. building rapport. You know, for some of us, that 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 um, that relationship, that bounce back of being with people, and all that that means, um, is how you it's how you build relationships and trust and all the other things. Um, and that's been taken away from us during this time. And some people are really comfortable with that. But I know that you know a large part of my ability to build relationships is being physically present. And I think physical presence is important anyway. But what, what we're definitely doing is we're talking a lot. We're probably assuming too much, you know, but what we're doing is putting every effort we can into yeah. talking and building relationships that aren't just about work and job titles and JDs, but actually about people. So we're doing our absolute best to, and I'm doing my best to build relationships and, and my team are absolutely doing their best to welcome me in, to bring me in, recognizing that also for me, it's a tricky time to join an organization. So I couldn't have wished to join a better team in that respect. So let me come full circle then and say, what are your, your top tips, if you've got some top tips, for anyone thinking about a leadership role within not-profit or anyone in the private sector thinking about how they could and should support non-profit in the social sector? Because I think there's also great things that can be done by those who may think, how do I get involved? Yeah, you're so right. So there's two things there. Yep. Firstly, I'll just say something uh, about non, not-for-profit leadership, if you like. It's a really interesting area because what you're saying to people is, come and work with me and let's try and solve a problem that's never been solved before. 
limited resource, and we're probably going to start the year off needing to find money because we haven't already got it. Yeah. And I probably can't pay you as much as you would get if you went and worked in the private sector, but you know, come and join me anyway. And by the way, don't talk to me about bonuses and too much annual leave and all of these things, but you know, we're going to do this. Please get behind me. Let's try and solve a problem that is going to exist far beyond the life of this organization. And I think that's a real interesting challenge, you know, and it's one that doesn't naturally um, occur in other sectors, you know, to the best of my knowledge. There must be so, a, oh, sorry, forgive me for interrupting. There is a big theme of personal purpose in here, isn't there, Paul? Absolutely. Because what you're saying is, I absolutely care about this. And I know you do. And between us, we've got the skills to make significant change. We don't need to solve a problem to make a massive dent in it. We don't need to solve youth unemployment to make a massive dent in it. And, you know, and, and it's about partnering with others, but it's certainly about getting the right team around you. And, you know, I've got a team of people that money isn't the first thing they think about. And like you said at the beginning, money is not a bad word. People need to be paid fairly yes. and rewarded and recognized for the work they do. But you make a simple reconciliation in this sector that if you want the riches, you, you might not find them here, but your riches might be different. Yes. And I, I was speaking to a, a couple of colleagues recently. I was speaking to a lady called Catherine only, only today who you put the phone down and you're smiling and they're smiling and you've talked about somebody that's got a job or an opportunity that's opened up with a corporate or somebody that's been placed in a new opportunity. And you think, we're all so happy. I can feel that buzz off you. Yet none of that conversation was, is there any chance I could have a bonus next year? Or I'd like to talk to you about a rise, you know? Yes. And they're legitimate questions, by the way, anyway. It's fair enough for people to think about those things. But, you know, and that's, what, that's purpose-based leadership. And the purpose-based leadership doesn't just sit with me because they're all leaders. Every single one of my team is leaders. If you're Chris out there in Liverpool, you are the CEO of LTSB to everybody that talks to him. He can make or break the organisation. For Shemaine in Manchester, it's the same. They are the leaders. This is brilliant. So I think the, the simple message to anyone listening is if you're not sure how to get involved, just get in touch just and you will help them understand how they can get involved. That's right. And you know what? You can be a national corporate engaging with us at a local level. You can be a national corporate or business or organization that engage with us on a national level. And you just need to get, it, get in touch with us. You might be a corporate that wants a new charity partner, a charity of the year. You might want to become more inclusive, more diverse. You might want to reach people from different socioeconomic backgrounds, from different ethnic backgrounds. You know, we can help with those things. You might want to mentor. You might want to donate. There's so many ways that you can help charities like ours and by doing that you can actually help yourselves and we can put you in touch with other organizations other businesses other corporates who can talk to you directly about their experience and working with us and what it's done for them and then by virtue of that the impact it's created for young people Paul, brilliant. Now, I, 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 I spy my book behind you as well as I'm, we're looking at each other on video. So uh, you must read that one day, but also I'm going to send you some stuff that you can share with uh, all the young adults in relation to some of the key themes that came out of that book. So that's kind of reminded me something yeah, else no. that I, I, I need to do. Uh, I, I, I finish up each, each um, episode with some fun questions, which actually you've no idea what they are, which is great. Let's see what happens. So one of them is, uh, what's, your, what's your hobby, favourite hobby at the moment or generally? Because I appreciate lockdown has, has prompted people to take up new things. 
I'm a musician, so I play the drums, the guitar, the piano, um, and I'm right now during uh, lockdown, when I, when I find a minute, uh, trying to record some of my tracks and also record my six-year-old stepdaughter as she's starting to learn singing and dancing and things like that so that's quite well, interesting well there you go music I, i've always wanted to learn the drums and haven't got around to it so so yeah something else i need to do something about what's your favorite word always oh, a good one isn't it favorite word that's yeah. interesting um utopia utopia and because i just think it sounds nice that's good <laughs> enough for me really. it's not a bad thing to aim for is it no it's not a bad thing to aim for with a question like that uh, and my last one is what would be your best piece of advice to a 21 year old paul okay that's a good one i would say trust yourself trust yourself what the things you are thinking you can do you can do the things you are worried that you can't do or believe you'll never be able to do because of where you come from it's all rubbish Love that. Just, just get on with it. Which is very uniquely linked into leadership through sport and business. Check them out. Get in touch. Be a force for good. Easy, right? Easy. <laughs> Easy as that. Always been a pleasure chatting to you. It really has. Thanks very much for being part of the Leadership Enigma. Thank you, Adam. And thanks for your support and friendship as always. Pleasure. Join us again next week for more essential insights on the Leadership Enigma. We'd love to hear your comments on today's show, as well as suggestions for future topics and guests. Get in touch with your host on LinkedIn or via our website, www.pca-global.com. Please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe on iTunes. Thanks for listening.